I'm James Day, and this is Focus on Pocus, a podcast covering all subjects of ultrasound. I am delighted you caught our show today, and as an FYI, you can find our archive shows at pocus.org or search Focus on Pocus on Spotify Podcasts. Today's guest, we have Dr. William Cherniak, who is an emergency medicine physician who is an innovator and has founded two companies that bring healthcare to our global village. William Cherniak is an emergency physician who trained in family medicine and global public health. He's also a co-founder and board chair of Bridge to Health Medical and Dental Canada and USA and the founder and CEO of Rocket Doctor Incorporated. Bill has had research published in the New England Journal of Medicine, the Lancet Academy Academic Medicine, uh, PLS One, and given numerous speeches in Europe and North America on global health and development. Bill completed his med school at the University of Calgary and residency at the University of Toronto. He completed a cancer fellowship at the U.S. Federal Government Center for Global Health and the National Cancer Institute of Health, as well as a master in public health at the John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. With a concentration in health in crisis and humanitarian assistance, while a summer scholar with a full scholarship, he is an adjunct professor with Northwestern University associate faculty at the John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health and an assistant professor at the University of Toronto's Department of Family and Community Medicine, Division of Emergency Medicine. Thank you for being here today, Dr. Cherniak. You are quite the innovator and you have a lot of achievements and you have a lot of balls you're juggling up in the air there. So uh, how are you today? How's everything in Toronto? Uh, yes, you're welcome. And it's funny hearing it read <laughs> that way <laughs> with all the stuff, but uh, it's good. It's a pretty decently sunny day in Toronto, getting ready for an ER shift shortly. Oh, wow. Oh, are you doing second shift, I guess? I don't know what time is it, too. Yeah, it's cool. I guess I want to open it up. I want to hear about Bridge to Health. Tell us about it or how was that formed? Tell us more. For sure. So um, basically, the idea behind Bridge to Health is that we really try to partner with government, civil society, and academia um, to help them build comprehensive healthcare in rural and underserved communities around the world. And so um, I co-founded that group about 10 years ago and was the volunteer executive director for the first seven years or so. And really, the idea behind it is rather than come and you know do only the boots on the ground approach and then go home and leave the system to kind of fall apart. It's how do we build this kind of coalition of the willing who work and live locally within the places that we go to visit to help really empower them to build capacity to take care of their own um, people. And so mm-hmm. uh, we do that through clinical outreaches with um, fully trained teams of you know doctors, dentists, nurses, pharmacists, public health professionals, um, and then we use those outreaches as kind of platforms to learn more about the local health context, meet the community, and then develop uh, research projects to help really build sustainable um, implementation science projects and then get engaged in a high-tech devices. So, you know, point-of-care ultrasound being one of them, um, but also programs around cervical cancer, mm-hmm. 
dental, um, restorative hygiene, those sorts of things. And yeah, we've now seen about 45,000 patients and trained about 800 healthcare workers, interactive um, really around the world with projects in Yemen, East Africa, and Latin America. This is a great idea because I know in my experience, in my career, you know, we went to Africa when I was with GE, unloaded a bunch of machines and ultrasound machines and boxes, because that's pretty much the only imaging that happens. And came back a year later, they were still in the closet. And it was like abundantly clear that you, you can't throw money and you can't train, as you said, you know, boots on the ground. There has to be a training mentorship that goes on beyond that. So you do that remotely. Is that right? That's what Bridge to Health sort of about? Yeah. I mean, holistically, from the health system perspective, mm -hmm. we do that through a mix of working on the ground with the partners and helping them to conceptualize and kind of think through how to build the system uh -huh. and then boost capacity at um, specific local clinics. And then when it comes to POCUS, what we shifted to over the last probably three, four years is the idea that at first it started out, you know, it's, it's, it was sort of like this organic thing, kind of like what you said, where it started out, okay, let's bring ultrasound devices and do obstetric ultrasound in the field, but we'll use portable devices. Mm -hmm. And this was in kind of 2014, 13 and tried it. But then we said, okay, let's use it as a creative marketing incentive to get pregnant women to come for antenatal care. Um, because it was like too good to be true to get a free ultrasound in rural villages and Southwestern Uganda. Yeah. And then as the technology got better and things improved, we started to look at bedside ultrasound and can we do that kind of like we do in the emergency department with patients. And then it turned into, can we train local clinical officers that are kind of like mid-level providers in East Africa, how to use ultrasound, um, given that they don't have access to any diagnostic imaging. And that was all just through bedside teaching. And then it transformed into more specifically a big need, which was around pediatric pneumonia. And so, okay, can we do, and this is in 2017 now, 2018, can we do lung ultrasound mm -hmm. as a training course, but then realize, well, hey, we need to be able to see their scans on an ongoing basis to give them feedback. And many programs would send a fellow or someone in the field that would live there for like a month or two, and then they'd go home and the program kind of falls apart and the you know quality of scans decreases. And so we set up this, system where um, folks in the field could upload images to a cloud. And then we had a team of about 50 doctors that would review images remotely and give feedback and support. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we ended up winning a grand challenges grant where we started to train doctors in Yemen on how to do this. Uh, but then because of COVID, we had to do the entire thing virtually. So ship them the devices, built the program, got them satellite internet, and then uh, basically ran the whole thing remotely with virtual um, lecture-based material, virtual uh, review and mentorship of scans, did a virtual OSCE recently. Wow. Used, uh, you know, POCUS Academy to certify folks and this group called Goosey that has online education forums. And uh, yeah, we graduated our cohort of lung ultrasound trainees actually just a couple of weeks ago. They all passed their OSCE and now we're moving on to trauma and then next will be obstetrics. That's great. You can do an OSCE like that remotely. And you're right. I know we did a mission focus to Haiti and uh, it was like, you know, we were there a week, but the idea was have Haitians treat Haitians instead of flying to, you know, Miami and Dominican Republic. Same thing, you know, just you, you need to be there longer. So this sort of leads into, uh, I want to know more about Rocket Doctor because you're talking about kind of telemedicine remote rocket doctor is the concern that you founded and was that hard to upstart or tell us about how that went? 
Yeah, I mean, it's funny because Rocket Doctor actually really started, um, you know, conceptually because of some of my work with Bridge to Health, where it was getting into high-tech diagnostics, um, but then also pairing that with uh, working as an eMERGE doc, seeing a ton of patients coming to the hospital that I felt like just didn't need to be there, you know, particularly kids with cough, cold, fever symptoms. Yeah who, you know, I felt like I was just kind of saying the same thing again and again, too, that, you know, could have been treated outside the four walls of the hospital. And then, you know, seeing patients that were really sick, but didn't come in soon enough. And so the idea was, could we pair virtual care with advanced diagnostics to identify those sick patients, bring them in faster, and then keep the, you know, majority at home um, with a much more cost-effective and obviously user-friendly experience, and then help the eMERGE docs as well, focus on the emergencies. And so... Hmm. Um, that started in kind of the fall of 2019, pre-pandemic. It was a really busy flu season, actually, that year. And then, uh, yeah, we were just kind of right place, right time when the pandemic hit. Yeah, I'll say. Wow. Um, and yeah, since we launched Rocket Doctor, um, the other thing is, you know, background in global public health. So the idea was always, can we use virtual care as a means to get access to rural underserved communities again? And so built it on the public system in Canada with our single-payer model, so everybody across, um, it's a it's a provincial thing. So everybody across the province, so, you know, Ontario, Alberta, BC, 20 million people, they all have access to it for free. And then in California, use the closest thing to the Canadian system, which is Medicaid. And so I'm um, really target to provide services to folks on Medicaid to access care. That's great. I'm glad uh, the launch went well with Rocket Doctor. Any special challenges with that? I guess you might have technical glitches here and there, the, the usual kind of thing, right? Well, I mean, the biggest challenge really um, in the U.S. is reimbursement. So mm. it's getting the insurance companies <laughs> to pay for the visit for their members. That's the hardest part, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> in Canada, you just sort of submit a billing to the government and the government pays you a month later, but it doesn't work quite the same way here. Um, no. little, but yeah, we, we had seen all in all across Canada and the U.S., we've seen about 200,000 patients now, and there are about 400 doctors using the platform. Wow. So, uh, you know, I, um, I'm thinking about POCUS here, focus on POCUS and all. So how did you get into point of care ultrasound? Just, I guess, as an ER doc, it, it, you guys were the innovators and started it all, really. Yeah, I mean, certainly before my, my time, but um, it came up, I guess, as I was going through training, but was already very well established as I got in a, you know, medical school and otherwise. But I had the chance as a first year med student to shadow. There's a really cool course in Canada called the emergency department echo course, the Eddie course mm -hmm. started by guy Ray Weiss. Um, and so I was able to shadow that course as a medical student in Calgary and then help to put on a course um, for the eMERGE docs in Toronto when I was going through residency. Um, and so I was familiar with POCUS as I went through training and then that transferred over on an outreach with bridge to health in rural Uganda, where I was talking to one of the local doctors there about a point of care ultrasound device. And he was like, what? I didn't know this. This is 2014. He's like, I didn't know in a rural part of the country in Uganda. He's like, I didn't know those things existed. Mm. If you could bring one of those to Africa, you know, to our part of Uganda, it would be too good to be true for a pregnant mom to get an ultrasound because they just can't get them as a male. Yeah. Um, and so that was the starting point. It was really simple, just obstetric ultrasound. And then it just kind of grew from there. But OB ultrasound, we ended up doing a cluster randomized controlled trial because the idea was, hey, can you actually prove that it changes outcomes and changes, you know, uptake of ANC? Um, so that was kind of neat to see because, you know, WHO guidelines 
a mom should get at least four A and C visits um, over the course of pregnancy. But fifty percent of the women didn't even have one <laughs> in the area we were working at the time. <laughs> yeah, and wow. you know there's a high rate of HIV prevalence. So you know the idea was, hey, get a mom to come in for an ultrasound, and then while they're there, say, would you also like to be tested for HIV, syphilis, get folic acid, iron supplementation, family planning, mm-hmm. um, and so we're able to build a program around that. That's neat. That's a good idea. Bring them in with the carrot of ultrasound and then take care of everything else. That's, that's a good idea. Um, so you want to talk a little bit more about the virtual mentorship training that goes on? Maybe you could shine a light on that for a moment. Yeah, for sure. And so um, I've been fortunate also to get to work with really awesome colleagues. And this uh, grant that we have in Yemen is uh, co-led by Nareen Ahmed, um, Dr. Nareen Ahmed. She's a pulmonary intensivist. Um, and at Penn, but mm. so her and I have really put the program together and she really leads the uh, medical education sort of curriculum development component. And I sort of work on the M and E aspects of it, but, um, it's really neat to see generally where, you know, setting up a curriculum to do, um, you know, the typical stuff where you teach people about the, um, clinical components of ultrasound first and what they're trying to look for mm-hmm. <laughs> at a high level clinically. And then, the basic stuff about the devices and how they work and how a scan works and what the different, you know, shadows and things are that you're looking for generally and, and the anatomy and then getting into, you know, hands-on stuff and actually trying to see how they do with their initial assessments and um, seeing just are the scans even interpretable to begin with. So that's what we also identified as a key starting point when you're doing the virtual mentorship is first you just make sure you can even, you know, know what you're looking at. So are they labeled correctly? Is the depth gain is everything done, you know, at appropriate level that you can actually even know what you're looking at. And then from there, um, what did they, you know, say they thought was happening on the scan. And so looking at their you know, diagnostic ability, how does that do generally? Um, and so those are kind of the ways that the program is designed. Wow. You've got a lot of things going on. So I guess, you know, what's your next big idea? You've got so many other here. I'm got more for us out there. <laughs> well, <laughs> the um, idea with this program is remote mentorship and training, but a big component of it is to make it sustainable. So the idea of then a train the trainer approach. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we do the initial course, but then we identify folks that are really strong and passionate about POCUS um, through these programs. And so then turn around to them and say, hey, would you like to be trainers in the next course? And then hopefully that starts to disseminate across, um, you know, a region or a country, um, region within a country or a country or a region of countries, <laughs> basically, as you start to build that threshold of folks that are well-trained and then taking it out to start their own courses. That's the idea mm-hmm. um, for the future. Well, William, Dr. Cherniak, it was great having you on today's podcast. There's so much here um, that's happening. You're doing great here. It's been very informative and inspiring. Uh, and thinking about the future of ultrasound and, how, and your, you know, innovative approaches to it. We all thank you for your creativity and your innovation. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks for putting this podcast on and hope this is uh, interesting for folks listening. If anybody is interested in getting involved with Bridge to Health or with some of the work that we're doing, they can feel free to reach out as well. Just William at um, bridgetohealthusa.org or just uh, ping us on the website as well that I'm always looking for folks to work with us. Don't forget, for more POCUS-style topics, follow us on Facebook at POCUS Cert Academy and Twitter at POCUS Academy. Thanks very much, William. It was a pleasure. 
Yeah, likewise. Thanks. <laughs>